I'm Rupert Morrison, and I run the Drift Record Shop in Totnes. And uh, one of the things that, that, that's been quite marked in, in music over the last few years has been has been the return of vinyl, mm-hmm. back from the dead, pretty much. Seems like. So, what's what what does uh, what does that tell us about how people's relationship with music and how they buy it is changing? Do you think? Um, I mean, for us, we've probably sold about as much vinyl now as we always have. It's just a case of the awareness is much, much, I mean, drastically different. Um, things like Record Store Day and Black Friday that have just passed, stations like Six Music and The Guardian have been particularly supportive as well. I mean, the awareness of the format of vinyl, the awareness of independent retailers, the event, you know, awareness of actually physically going and buying a record from a physical record shop, that's become a hugely supported thing. And I think in this sector, more than any other sector, I mean, you don't kind of get a network of shoe shops or kind of books, even bookshops, which would seem like a very logical thing, kind of coming together to under an umbrella of marketing and support. But it is just the awareness. I mean, uh, more vinyl is physically being pressed now than for the last kind of couple of decades, I think. Um, so the prices are better and the awareness, the availability, sorry, is, is a little bit better. But for the best part, I think we probably stock a comparable amount to we always have and we certainly sell about a comparable amount. But it's nice that people you know, want to come and get involved and maybe we're kind of diversifying in terms of you know, demographics that are actually getting into it, particularly younger, dev, you know, kind of the kids. So, and why do people buy it? Vinyl? Because um, it sounds better. Uh, because it makes them look cool. I mean, that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's why it's been an easy sell to people. I mean, it's bigger. You know, you've got a CD, whereas the vinyl's four times bigger, and it's bigger artwork, and you buy it and carry it around, and people know you've bought something, and, you know, you can kind of talk about analogue and, and how it's kind of a, a... That's what you're into. But, I mean, it's... I think... Uh, you can always look at shops like um, Urban Outfitters. They're very canny, and their ability to kind of track zeitgeist is just second to none. They started selling Nirvana and, and Sub Pop and uh, Sonic Youth T-shirts about seven or eight years ago, and suddenly everybody's doing that. And kind of you know, grunge is back with kind of the kids, and now kind of they're even covering that kind of stuff on X Factor. I think so. What, as soon as they started selling copies of. Um, like you said, hip-hop records. So NWA has just been reissued today. So as soon as those records started appearing in, um, firstly, Urban Outfitters, I think Topshop even sell a few records now, it's it's fashion. It is a fashion thing, and that's why it's been such an easy sell. But the actual brass tacks of why a lot of people buy vinyl is because it's a, it's a great format to listen to music on. And I think that, it, again, it's a slightly easy sell to people to invest in physicality when that physicality is a bit impressive it's big mm. it's it's a huge physical thing that you can hold and I, I think that's why and what's the I mean the difference with something like like if you bought if you bought metal box on CD mm-hmm. or you had metal boxes three or whatever three or four twelve inches whatever it was mm. you know the, the, the way that music is set like with the boards of Canada albums how they're all on different I mean how, how is as I mean because you you make music as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you when, when you make music to be on a CD and it's just a long list of tracks, how different is it as a music, as an artist when you're preparing something you know is going to be on vinyl with two sides, I mean, or we, four sides, or six sides, or whatever? When we were actually um, preparing yeah. the new record for for release, then we wrote it as we didn't write it as two halves. We we programmed it as two halves. So 
it wasn't just a case of that's about the halfway mark and which side does the track fall on and that's the first five, that's the second five. You do have to, traditionally, it's always the track seven is a, a strong track because it's your flip, it's your first side on the B side. So you do have to kind of program things in a certain way. I mean, I know a lot of my peers and other friends that are in bands, I mean, they actually write in the context of two sides or even you know four sides if they're on a slightly more affluent label, I guess. Um, <laughs> Not suggesting my label aren't, they're just, you know, I didn't require four sides. Um, so, I, yeah, I think traditionally it's um, it's a format that musicians have grown up with. It's existed for longer than any of us, so I think that it's still here is, is why it's such an enduring format. And the most important records that I own are always on vinyl, um, even though I probably own more CDs and cassettes than I own vinyl. Mm. Um, it's just that that's always been a, a cheaper format and it's a bit more throwaway. So I just, growing up, had had all three, um, but I haven't got a tape player at the moment. So uh, I've got lots of boxes. <laughs> um, I think, in terms of kind of the quality of of actual audio, um, if you've got a, a good amplifier, then you'll hear the difference. And if you've got a good stylus, you'll hear the difference. But I think, realistically, a lot of the kind of more domestic players, the, the kind of the budget players, you won't always hear a huge difference between CD and vinyl. But I think there's also a process of how you consume that music. It's it's not as easy as to kind of, you know, skip forward. There's certainly no shuffling, and you do pretty much have to to kind of sit and listen to something, and then flip it over, and then listen mm. to the other track. So I think it's. I think when everything's so disposable and everything's so kind of at your fingertips, it is a different way of consuming music, and I think that you tend to kind of listen more. So I think that's had a, an impact as well. And what, I mean, is there any... You see, I was watching, there was a video on the Erased Tapes website all about mm -hmm. the vinyl, what they do, and the kind of the care and the artistry that they put into that, and creating just beautiful, beautiful things. Mm. I mean, are there things... What's your sense of how, how, how vinyl has become something that's really just gorgeous and I mean those those guys are a slight exception because they're predominantly based in Berlin and they're all German guys and they're completely mad and very eccentric <laughs> and they've kind of put themselves in the position where they can do that but um, there's a certain fetish element and I think that with things like Record Store Day there's certain customers who queue up and come in who we see once a year and they turn up on Record Store Day and they're buying things based on what they're told is the exclusive nature of an element and whether they actually kind of take it home and enjoy it, I don't know. Or whether they enjoy the fact that they have something that other people don't have. I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, I think we're, we're quite lucky. I think we, we miss a lot of that crowd out. And I think that the biggest feedback we get is people complaining about other people doing that. So I think it would seem a little rich if, they, if, if some of them did it. But um, I think that it does... It's, it's a it's a more laborious process making vinyl. Um, it's kind of like alchemy in terms of mastering the the records. There's so many different factors. So it's it's a very artisan thing, and there's, it's a it's a finalising part of the process, which has been the recording process. And um, vinyl mastering engineers are they're amazing. I mean, the guy who funny if he mastered my records actually. He's he's a great guy called Noel Somerville, and he mastered the Boards of Canada records. And he did such a good job when they first made those records, making the plates, that he pointed out that there isn't really any point in, in him kind of remastering these records from tapes, just get the plates he made. And as soon as he kind of said that and walked, went ahead with it, he realised he kind of did himself out a couple of days of studio time. But, um, oh yeah, there you go. 
so with um so with with kind of somebody like Noel's work, those are records that he he went through that process kind of fifteen years ago, and those physical plates they got them, they pressed them, and those records still sound fantastic and I think it's just because it's I mean it's a, it's a complicated thing it's not quite as easy as, as just kind of flattening audio and putting it on CD so I think it's it's an artisan thing um, in terms of packaging it's just bigger so I think kind of it, it offers you can I mean there's a, a guy locally um, I forget what Simon goes under I think it's I've always said live work but I think it's live work I think it's called live work unit and what he actually produced for his CD packagings amazing it was a almost like an A3 I think he was an architect so it was almost like an A3 size poster that he'd worked out how to carefully fold down so it formed the shell of the packaging and there was kind of tracing paper inserts and you know it was really it was a beautiful thing um, so you can put that attention in but in terms of kind of mass producing something it's just you know it's, it's different economics isn't it so and what difference does it make for a small independent shop like you that's a sort of as part of a, of a local economy like this is mm-hmm. it, does it feel like it's one of the things that's an essential part of the mix that distinguishes you from I think Fox, yeah I mean I think the biggest thing with us is our, our actual kind of process of presenting things because realistically you could go into our shop or you could go into kind of any number of, of kind of independent record shops today and there's the same records have just come out so the same records would be on the, the racks and we get the same press releases, so if they felt like talking about it, they'd probably say the same things, they'd probably play the same records. So, I mean, it's there's a fair chance you could go into kind of any of those independents and pick up the same records today. So I think it's just about how we curate what we actually get in. Um, and we do. I mean, we we don't we certainly don't take everything. I'd, I'd say we probably only take a, a third of what's actually offered to us. So there's a huge amount available, and I think um, a big part is the curating process. I think in terms of getting people to come in... Um, Having limited stock and exclusive stock, you know, it helps, and they tend to be a bit more expensive. So, I think selling those units can can really help in terms of, um, a, you know, a slightly quieter day. Uh, we're not particularly close to kind of any of the the big retailers like HMV or FOP. I mean, there is Plymouth and Exeter who both still have HMV shops, but I don't think it really affects us a great deal, mm. to be honest. Um, I certainly wouldn't want them to go. I think. I think HMV is run terribly and I think the people that have been put in the position to do so are complete idiots and they've, they've proved themselves to be incompetent and inept beyond belief but they're still there um, and I just hope that the goodwill that they've been shown and the support they've been shown by distributors and labels that they turn the corner and mm. that you do still have kind of a large physical high street retailer because you know we're lucky that we're able to do what we do where we do it but there's lots of places that can't you can't kind of just rock up and take a, a fairly big shop space and kind of do something as decadent as we're doing because the overheads are just not viable and I think even someone like HMV are going to get driven out of that equation where it'll just become a Primark and you won't have that physical retailing and then it becomes the norm that people don't physically see things and then it kind of feels like a sad situation to me. And one of the things that you do so beautifully here is the sort of the... The, the sort of love and care that you put to the newspaper that you do and the, and the list of records and it's also beautifully kind of Thanks. designed. And, well, it is, it's beautiful. And, I mean, what, what is it that, what is that ingredient, do you think? Is it just that the people who run the shop are music and well, words? we hoped, oh sorry, I'm talking. No, no, you can't. Sorry. <laughs> what we set out to do was A, produce the best shop we could and produce a shop that we would want to walk into 
and I think that makes a difference. Yeah, definitely. Well, there was someone on Twitter who put something the other day about if Santa had a grotto, it would look like this. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah. I mean, that's something really kind of... I think what you create here is something really magical. So when you love music, you kind of come in and you... It's like getting in the bath, isn't it? It's really nice. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I mean, we're, we're very lucky in that we're able to do it. And I, I don't kind of say that lightly because it's a really difficult time. And... I think kind of globally people are feeling it so it's even even when you kind of scale it right back to kind of the problems of traffic directions and kind of getting people to kind of physically come into the shop it's a really hard thing to do and a really hard time to do it mm. so we are supported and you know we're, we're very grateful to be given the time and opportunity to do that but I think as soon as you don't care about this it's it is it is a job and it is we are geared around commerce that's what we're here for so although it's nice to have information written on the front of the CDs and kind of booklets produced about things, it's produced as a mechanism to make the process more svelte for people to come yeah. in and find what they're after and spend money, because that's what we're here for. But at the same time, if it's not, it's not got huge uh, profit margins. If we were interested in making huge amounts of money, then I think we'd be running off T-shirts and, and we'd be kind of hitting the, the mechanisms and models that much more successful people do so it's about kind of loving that we do it and I think that we're not looking to become as big as a fop because I think as soon as you do you lose the part that we enjoy doing so much so I think so long as we accept that you know there's no there's not really any retiring <laughs> I think we're um, we're just happy kind of keep on keeping on